Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today I'm talking all about the power of planning and how to be spontaneous during a training cycle. And it feels like these two categories are polar opposites, right? You have one side, plan, 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 plan. And the other side is all how to be spontaneous and letting go and trusting the process. Well, today I want to dive into both of these. I think they are both really unique concepts. They are both great concepts for athletes of all calibers to really embrace during a training cycle. And I think something too, as athletes, I think we are often type A and we don't give ourselves enough grace or credit when it comes to just letting go a little bit and seeing what happens. So um, diving in to the planning side, this is an area that I think as all athletes, as all type A athletes, we love to plan. Now, as an athlete myself, I love to plan out my race schedule. I love to plan out and know my training schedule for the week. I love planning um, travel races and what that looks like. Now, as a coach, I'm also planning most of my days, right? Um, In terms of planning other athletes' race calendars or training calendars, training schedules. So the power of planning is very important, I think, when it comes to being an athlete, when it comes to going after a goals, when it comes to doing hard things, there has to be an element of planning to it. Otherwise, it'll be really difficult for it to all come together at the end in a way that you envision. Because when we are doing hard things, when we are going out there and racing our A goal and we're under, you know, maybe it's a lot of pressure or we're just in a situation where we want to control as much as we can, that power of planning is going to come into play. So it's a really great place to be a lot of the time. I thought of this concept, both of these concepts came from my own personal life and training because about, oh gosh, it's probably been about a month. So maybe it was like early to mid-July I had already started to see some marathon pace work in my training, um, which at that point was about five months away. And I thought, this is so cool. And I love this so much. It's not something that my coach and I talked about. It was just something that I saw in a long run and thought, this is amazing. This is everything I want. And heck yes. Why do we need to wait 12, 14, 16 months out from marathon training to actually start practicing goal pace, right? A lot of training requires either practicing your desired goal pace for your race, or it could be if you're racing like a 5k, 10k half, you're practicing some paces under that or faster than that to get that goal pace to feel comfortable. With the marathon, it's a little bit different. You are practicing speed. So you are practicing um, paces at a faster effort or a harder effort. But a lot of times you're practicing that marathon pace and really programming that into your body to know what that feels like. So I thought, oh, this is so cool. We're 20 weeks out from my A goal marathon this winter, early winter, I guess it's CIM, which is December 3rd. And here we are, it's July. And I have this long run that has, or I guess it was a workout. It was on a Saturday. It was a workout long run was on Sunday where I got to practice like five miles at marathon effort. And it was just a really cool thing for me to see. Cause I think, um, I definitely wouldn't have thought that I was practicing that early, but it doesn't mean that I'm in a 20 week marathon belt. It just means that I'm practicing it that day and it's helping my overall training cycle for what I was training for at that moment, right? So it could be looked at as like a tempo run. Um, It could be looked at like something a little bit easier than the stuff in the workouts that I had been doing because this was the summer of speed And I had a lot of fast track workouts, a lot of fast miles, mile intervals, mile repeats, 
200s, 400s, 600s, 800s, 1Ks. I had a lot of just really, really short stuff. And it was really great to have something a lot longer for my first uh, tempo effort really all summer long and being able to hold it and feel good with that. It's a great confidence booster, especially when you're racing, not racing, but you're training in the summer months, knowing that you're racing in cooler temperatures. It's, I think, a huge confidence booster. And it's something that I get to continue to practice until we're quote unquote officially in marathon training. So that's where this concept came from. And I thought the power of planning, like how cool is that? Like when the coach or when, if you're coaching yourself, the athlete knows what's happening, knows what's going on. It's not this spontaneous. I'm jumping into a race this weekend. It's not this spontaneous. Oh, I decided to change my goal pace. And I really want to hit this certain time when you're six weeks out from a race. Like this is planned. She and I have talked about my goal for CIM right after Boston. We're both aligned with it. We both know I can do it. And, um, and it's something that we get to creep into before we get into, before we get into the official training cycle. So it is really cool to have that power of planning on our side. And I think as a coach, as an athlete, I agree that like, I love to plan and there are so many benefits to planning. Um, so what does it look like? You want to start with your race schedule and Austin, I've talked about this on the podcast. I believe it was like last December, you know, how great I am with episode numbers. Um, but I do remember time of the year when we record and what we're talking about. And we talked all, we had a series of episodes all about like goals and planning for the new year at 2023 and what that looks like. So we're going to revisit that today. You want to take a look at your race schedule and think about what you really want to create in the running space. Is that a fast 5K PR? Is that a fast mile, right? A lot of us were running miles this summer. I think maybe because I was, I was more in tune with it, but it felt like there were a lot of people running mile races this summer, which was a lot of fun. Is it a really hardy 10K effort? And maybe it's a 10K on a tough course, which is you know, wild. Maybe it's a really fast half or running a strong marathon, right? So it's establishing your, your goal, what you want to create for the year, and then starting to work backwards of if it is running, let's say a really fast half marathon, where is the best place to run a fast half marathon? Is that in your hometown in the summer? Probably not. Is it going to be in the fall in the Midwest or early winter, maybe early in the new year in the South? Definitely, right? I'm talking about Indianapolis, Houston. Actually, Philadelphia has a really fast half too. Um, I think California has a few. They actually have mountains to beach in May, which is a downhill half. So that's fast too. So it's establishing your goal and then finding a good race to support it. Now, I understand that sometimes traveling to races just isn't an option for people for a lot of different reasons, and that's okay. There can be um, other races that you can find locally to kind of, maybe you need to compromise, maybe you don't, but finding something locally to kind of support your goal is great too. Um, the Fort Collins Fall Equinox Half Marathon is a downhill course, so it's very fast, even though it's at altitude. So that's kind of cool. Um, so that's a shout out for all the Colorado listeners. If you're uh, looking for something fast, and I guess if you've been training, because that's coming up in a few weeks, um, but it's establishing kind of where you want to run. And then also taking a look at your schedule and your calendar in your family schedule, your work schedule, knowing when your busy seasons are for your uh, career, when your busy seasons are for a family. And maybe moms and dads right now are smiling or laughing because it feels like it's always busy season, right? Um, I don't have kids, but yet I coach a lot of athletes that do. And I have a lot of friends that have kids and it just doesn't really seem to ever end, right? Because you're a parent, you're living and um, 
hoping and molding, shaping, creating other lives. So it's busy, right? Um, so aligning your life to and, and understanding that there is a commitment to training if you want to hit the goal that you've already established in step one. Do you have what it takes to be all in on that commitment? Understanding that life happens, things happen, things can shift. But over the course of the 12 weeks, the 14 weeks, maybe it's 16 week training cycle, are you able to create enough habits and enough consistency and enough wins to tell yourself at the end of the training cycle that you've done everything that you could do to show up and you're ready to go? Because that's really what it's all about. Once you say heck yes to all of that, then you get to decide how long your prep is. Now prep for a mile race all the way up to a marathon or an ultra is just very different for everyone based on how long they've been running and what distance they're training for. So that's going to make a huge difference. Is it your first marathon? Is it your 10th marathon? Is it your very first mile effort? Have you been running mile efforts and mile races over the last few summers? And you know what to expect with that intensity. Talked about this on the podcast. I have a few times my first really fast track workout this summer. I like thought I was going to get sick at the end. It was like in my last rep, I, my body was like in shock with like how fast I was running and just the repetitive nature of it. I think I had 12 by 200s with like 200 meter jogs. And these were 200 meters between, um, I think at the time it was like 38 seconds to 42 seconds. Um, and we finally got that 200 down to 36 seconds. So that's really fun. Such a short distance to take a few seconds off. Um, and understanding where you're at and, If you're an athlete who has been training consistently, you've been stacking training cycle and training cycle, you might've heard it being talked about as stacking the bricks, right? You're stacking the bricks, you're stacking the training cycles. Um, You might need a shorter prep. Are you coming out of a half marathon prep and going into a marathon prep? Those can be combined in some ways. They can be totally separate. For the Houston half leading into the Boston marathon build, I did a 20 week consecutive cycle. First time ever, probably last time ever. (laughs) We actually didn't take a down week after Houston. I remember I had a workout on Wednesday and it went terribly, as you could imagine. And, um, and we didn't take a break. We just went all in thinking it was going to be the best for me. And it ended up not being the best for me. Um, and peaked early due to a lot of different reasons and not a lot, I would say three different reasons. And, you know, it just, it ended up being too long. So going, um, this fall, I have Indianapolis and then six weeks later I have CIM. So what we decided is a 17 week cycle. And after an Indianapolis, I get a really strong, healthy recovery week. Um, knowing my coach, I bet I still have a workout, but it's a little bit different, but we're stacking them together. Now in the past, I've done a lot of half preps at 12 weeks recover, and then I'd go into a marathon training cycle or maybe taking some time off or a base period of four to eight, 12 weeks, and then go into a marathon base build of 16 weeks. Some elite athletes, I think this is really cool. They have their very high mileage that they run almost year round, right? Um, Obviously when they're tapering, when they're recovering from their races, they're not, but a lot of them do a lot of high volume year round. And some athletes, some elite athletes will take a six to eight week marathon training build right at the end. Because their aerobic foundation is there, they've been training their engine. They've been building their Ferrari engine. That Ferrari engine is what we all want. They've been building it. And now all they need is six or eight weeks of workouts and long runs. Now, granted, their long runs probably already long. If they're running 
80, 90, 100 mile weeks, right? Their long run's already there. Now they just need to add the speed. And that's a really cool place to be. Um, it's something I would love to try at some point. Like, does that serve my body better than grinding through a 16 week build? Which I guess with my coach, I don't actually do. I 12 is her limit for that specifically. Um, but this fall being in a 17 week build, right? So establishing your prep, how long is it going to be? What's going to support you? I always err on the side of cautions with the athletes that I coach that I'd love to add a few, like I should say a couple weeks. So two weeks onto the training cycle, just because. So that could mean maybe we needed to throw in an extra recovery week because the athlete needed that. Maybe the athlete gets sick and we need to take some time off. Maybe there's a niggle where we're taking some extra rest days, right? It allows you the buffer to be able to still show up and get in the amount of work that you want to get in so you feel successful by race day. It doesn't feel good to be standing at the start line wondering if you could have done more or if you should have started sooner, right? There's a way to manage the training piece to having a slightly longer training cycle right? Um, it's a really, really good place to be. So once you have your prep established, then I want to break it down into each week. So the prep is kind of broken up into bigger chunks before you break it down into a weekly sort of increment. So um, usually it's broken down into four week increments where there's three up weeks where you're working on a specific area. It could be hill work. It could be speed, like very fast speed work. It could be, uh, tempo. It could be threshold. Um, it could be a, a little bit of both, right? Combination of all of it, depending on where you are and what you're doing and your goals. So that's a block. That's what we call a block. And then each week for the athlete, and I love this for the athlete, each week, you then on, let's say it's a Sunday night. I love a good Monday start, right? Monday start through Sunday. What are the daily habits that I want to create? What is the intentionality around this week? Those are great questions to ask yourself. What are the daily habits that I want to create? Is it sleep? Is it nutrition, hydration? Is it the time of day that you're running? I think first and foremost, that's probably the biggest piece to it, right? Is making sure that you have the habits in place to be able to get your running in or the consistency down, right? It's a great place to be when you have more control over your schedule versus the schedule controlling you. And I see this all the time. I have athletes who run at the same time every single day. They are so consistent. They never miss a run. Or if I'm in final surge and I know it's like a Monday and I see like, I'm going to give some specific shout outs. I see like Jason and Abie and Abby haven't run and it's like, 11 a.m., I know something's wrong and I'll rage out if there's not a note in final surge. But with other athletes, I'm like, well, that could come in later. That might come in later. And I just don't know because they're all over the place, right? Those tend to be very busy individuals. And I get it. We're all busy, right? But there is a lot of power in finding the same time of the day to run and if that's going to be the morning for you, which I know works for a lot of people, a lot of parents, a lot of um, just a lot of athletes who have a very demanding job and they have a family or it's one or the other, right? Like getting that, maybe like starting your day with a run is so powerful because it's off your plate. You don't have to worry about it. And then you get to spend the rest of your day working on work projects, being a parent. Maybe it's a combination of both um, and finding wins along the way. You can then, you know, recover at night and maybe get a little bit of mobility in 
If it's a workout day, get your strength training in. 30 minutes is really all you need. You don't need to be doing hours on end. It's a really, really great place to be. So once you have that consistency and that same time of the day to run, um, and that can be at night too. I often, I just see that more athletes struggle with getting it in and being consistent with that nighttime run, because think about where you are in the day when you leave work, maybe you're home and you're leaving like, you know, a guest bedroom or wherever it's, maybe it's all the same for you. And when you leave work, what do you want to do? Right. Most of us need to relax, want to relax. Maybe it's running errands. Um, maybe it's getting together with friends very quick, you know, mobility or strength is awesome. And then if you add running on top of it, it really does kind of take away, I think from the night a little bit. Um, but everyone is unique. Everyone has their own system and everyone loves different times of the day to run, which I think is always one of the coolest things about running is just how different we are. Yet we all come together to share the same passion and love for the sport. So you have your daily habits that you want to create. You have your intentionality. You have your consistency. Now you can dive into each day, right? What is the intentionality around your easy day? What is your intentionality around your recovery day? What is your intentionality around your workout day and your long run day? So for example, Workouts and long runs typically take more planning before and after these runs, right? It's not just putting the shoes on and going out for a run. That's one of the things that I love most about recovering easy days is how all you really need to do in a life that demands so much from us all the time, all you really need to do is put your shoes on and go. It doesn't really matter what pace you run. I mean, I guess it does, right? <laughs> Jog, please. Right? On my easy and recovery days, I have zero expectations. I just tell myself to go. And like, it gets to feel easy. It gets to feel joggy. And like, sometimes I look at my watch when the pace split comes through. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's like, I run typically three miles uphill every day before I hit flat-ish to run downhill. And sometimes I'm like, oh, let's just see how slow this mile is. Because <laughs> I'm really trying to keep my heart rate low. And right now my legs are tired, right? They're tired most of the time, just training a lot of miles, running a lot of miles, and that's okay. That's what I love so much about those easy and recovery days. It's the workouts in the long runs that really do take more planning and more thought around it, right? So it comes from like the day before and making sure like, you're eating enough, you're hydrating enough. Maybe it's planning your running route before the long run, right? Do you need shade? Do you need sun? It probably depends on what time, time of the year it is, right? Um, how much hydration do you need on the course? Do you need to drop a sealed bottle somewhere knowing that you're going to be running past it around the time that you need to um, refill your hydration bottle or your handheld? It's something I did a lot last summer. It worked really well for me. Uh, now I just circle back to my car and grab it, which is nice too. Maybe you're picking friends up along the way. I did this last weekend for a run and it definitely added some stress to the morning of, uh, coordinating the runs that started out different, but eventually would merge together and picking each other up along the way. So no one was really waiting or waiting too long, or at least I was in goal pace at the time, so I couldn't stop. So um, it can be fun. It can also be very tricky. And I was actually talking to an athlete about that, um, last week about how, uh, sometimes when you merge runs together, it just adds an element of anxiety that you don't really need when you're in a long run or a workout and you're really trying to like execute really strong pacing. Right. Um, so thinking about it, you know, in the before sense of what planning needs to go into these runs. And then afterwards, it's a lot of like active and just recovery, active recovery and resting recovery, right? 
the active recovery gets to be all the actionable things that you can do, which is the post-run stretching, the mobility, hydrating with your electrolytes, the nutrition and eating a really good breakfast or meal after your run. You can tell that I'm a morning runner, right? Um, Saying the breakfast, but doing all of that and then also making sure that you're getting enough sleep. And if you have compression boots or socks, you're using those. Maybe you have, um, you know, like a tool or something that you use to help with the mobility kind of piece to it and just setting yourself up for success. And a lot of work can go into it really as much as you want and have the time for, right? So having that planning piece around all of these things makes such a huge difference. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, we're at race, we're on race weekend, race day. Hey, hey. So it's a great place to be, isn't it? Oh, I love race morning when I feel good. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, race morning, there's a lot of planning that can go into not just race morning, but race weekend, specifically if you are traveling to a race um, this fall or maybe in just your future races, right? The Elevate team has this great handout um, that I send out to the athletes who are racing and it's a race day planner sheet. And it just goes through everything that you can think of that you're going to need to know for race morning. And that includes um, really like working backwards from race start to when you need to wake up and start to eat your breakfast, when you're starting your warm up, when you're taking your gel, um, what's going in your checked bag, what are you taking with you on the course? All those things, your mantra, reminding yourself of your mantra and your power words, right? So race morning, there's a lot of things that you get to plan. And what I love about race morning is that it really is a celebration of all the hard work that you've done over the training cycle. And it should feel very routine. Um, it should feel like You've been doing this every single Saturday or Sunday or whatever day you run your long run on for the last 12 to 16 weeks. I think the most comfortable I've ever felt in before a race and really during a race was the Chicago Marathon last fall. I remember I got to meet um, my friend Chapin. We walked together to the race start and we checked our bags and I think we said goodbye because we were in different corrals or different waves or something. And I started my warm up, and it was really odd because I like didn't go into my corral yet. So I was trying to warm up on the street, but the street was really crowded. And I remember I was like, oh my gosh, this is coming in so slow, but also the GPSs aren't working. Right. So like, I think my split was like 11 minute mile, but I probably wasn't running that. And I remember I felt really good and I got into the corral. I got to see um, Elizabeth from Running Explained right before going into the corral. We were in separate corrals, but we had like the same like entrance and then we split off. And so we just like stopped to chat and that was awesome and so comforting. I think it's always great when you run into someone that you know, especially at a big race like a major and you're hearing their voice. It's very familiar to you. Um it's a good place to be. And then going into my strides, like I've done this before, right? It's basically just like before a workout, do a warm up, do some strides. And the strides just felt good. And I said this uh, to the group that I train in, Bo in Denver a few weeks ago at practice. I said, do you ever feel like when the strides feel good in the warm up after like the stretches and the drills that we do, if the strides feel good, you know, you're going to have a good night. And if the strides feel a little heavy, if you feel tired, if you look down and realize that it's coming in a lot slower than what you typically run strides, you know, the night can be a harder night, not always, but it can be. And I think it's true on race morning. And on that race morning, I got two strides in. For anyone running Chicago this fall, there's plenty of room to warm up inside the corral. <laughs> FYI. 
Didn't know that going in. I know it now. Plenty of room, plenty of bathrooms. You're going to be fine. And the strides felt good. And I had felt that before in practice. And it was all the confidence I needed going into the race start or standing in the crowd waiting for the race to start to know that I was going to have a great day. The weather was awesome. I knew it. I could feel it before I even started. And that's a really fun place to be. And it's kind of, it goes back into that planning piece of, I had done this before. It was something that I was doing every single week. Nothing was new on race day. How many times do we hear that? How many times do I say that? (laughs) Nothing new on race day. And, and some of that is, it's all very intentional, but for today and purposes of today's episode, there's nothing new on race day because when you have planned and planned and planned and you are starting to execute on race morning before the race begins and you're doing all the things that you've always done, you start to build that confidence before the race even begins because you're starting to feel stronger. You're starting to feel good. You know what to expect, especially if you are having a great warm up. Um, that's a really good indicator that as long as you don't go out too hot in the race, you're going to have a good day, right? So all of those things play a huge role, plan, 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 and then also execute a really solid race strategy. And that also requires planning, not just for the day, but really planning in your training. So oftentimes I structure athletes, long runs to mimic what we're doing on race day, it's just going to be faster. So when they get to race day, they feel this sense of calm. Maybe it's subconsciously, maybe it's not, maybe they actually feel it where they know I have been doing this all training season. This progression run is what we're doing today. It's what I've done three or four times in training. I know how to do this. I know how to execute this. This feels good, right? It's all about the planning. There's also different types of workouts and long runs and the way that they are written that I write them in a way that I'm not sure every athlete picks up on this. It's not something I actually talk about in race prep because I don't want to have like just too much, right? There's a lot going on in a race prep call and There's a lot of, you know, nerves and excitement and all the notes get sent to the athlete afterwards, but it's still a lot to process. But I know some athletes pick up on this. They have workouts designed around the race. What does that mean? There are a lot of 5Ks, 8Ks, 10Ks, maybe 15Ks in their training plan. Some have miles typically more for the half marathon. The Ks are more for the marathon. Um, And what I love about that, and I guess it also depends too on the race for the person and knowing if it's a smaller race versus a larger race, if it's a major race, I kind of know how the signage works and use the same sort of metric system to mimic what kind of course they're going to be on. So when they see that 5K, 8K, 10K, left to go, they know that they've been there. I've had a 10K workout at this pace before. I've had an 8K pace workout at this before. I've had a 5K workout at this pace before. I can do it if I can do it in training on heavy, heavy, tired, fatigued legs and mind. Why can't you do it in a race when you show up feeling fresh and strong and you have a 5K left to go running down Michigan Ave? or wherever it is for you this fall. It's a great place to be. It's a great in the moment confidence booster for those athletes if they if they see it and feel it and know it, right? Um it's a really powerful place to be because as much as I want to be with athletes on the course, I can't be. Some I will be. I'll be in Chicago this fall, which will be a lot of fun. I'll be in Fort Collins this fall. I can't be on the course for those athletes, but I can be at the finish line. And it is a way to be there, to have my presence there and to hope it inspires them to run strong. But it's also another way that I can be with athletes when I can't be there for them to realize I've done this before in my workout. 
I can do this again. And that's a very powerful, if not the most powerful place to be. And that is the power of planning. You end up running a very strong race, whatever that ends up being. And that's going to look different for all of us. It could be finishing strong, finishing healthy, finishing happy, running a PR. It can be a combination of any of those things, right? It all looks different for every single one of us, for every single race. And that's what I love about running. One of the many, many, many things. All right, we're going to transition into the complete opposite of what I've just talked about for the last 35 minutes. (laughs) Why being spontaneous can create mindset breakthroughs. So I have a personal example. This came from a personal thing that happened in my running and training is a few weeks ago, um, I I usually get my training plans on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evenings, usually. And That works for me with what I do for a living because I am a running coach and um, I can shift and have flexibility within my schedule. And I also kind of know that every single day is the same except for Wednesdays and whenever my long run is. Uh, Eight is the new five is what I joke. Um, So I typically run like eight miles any other day than Wednesday and Saturday or Sunday. So anyways, it's not a big deal. I know a lot of coaches actually uh, work a lot on the weekends to get plans out, um, waiting for that long run to come through. And I love that for so many reasons. At this point in my coaching career and how long I've been doing it, and it's been over a little over three years and having the team so dialed in, I actually get athletes texting me on Friday if their week isn't loaded yet for the following week, asking where it is because it's usually loaded on Thursdays, but Thursdays and Fridays are my days to, to write plans and be in final slurge for hours and hours. Um, but anyways, this came up because on a Sunday night, I got my plan and I get to meet my team and my coach on Wednesday mornings in person, which is a huge value add. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I'm not going to play that down. It's a huge value add. And I noticed on Wednesday morning, I didn't have anything listed in my workout. It just said in sync test. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I just look at it and think of in sync, the pop band. (laughs) I'm sure some people are thinking that's not surprising. So um, so just had this test listed and I know I Googled it. And I also know that I didn't really like, I think I was trying to Google it and do something else, which is very par for the course. Um, just given how my days go and, and all the inbound stuff that comes in. And I know I didn't like research it enough to figure out what we were doing. The coach side of me was like, oh, we're doing a time trial or we're going to do this long tempo run. And so a few years ago, I would have freaked out on a Sunday night seeing that I didn't know what I was doing on Wednesday. I would have freaked out. I probably would have reached out to my coach at some point, probably on Monday. I've always had, I think, really healthy boundaries. Um with both of the coaches that I've had, even when I started with Nell, really respecting her as a human and not reaching out over text um, when it just didn't seem necessary, uh, like on a weekend or a night or something like that. Anyways, some athletes are probably smiling right now. Um, You know, if you know, and, (laughs) and I would have, definitely reached out to find out what was going on on Wednesday because I couldn't wrap my head around not knowing. I needed to know. I needed to plan. I needed to prepare. But why? Why did I need to do that? I'd love to turn this around and ask you On a Sunday night, if you got your plan for the week and you knew you were meeting your coach and your team, 
but you didn't have a workout, what would you do? Would you reach out to that coach that night in some way, shape, or form, right? Text or the app that you use or maybe email. Would you wait until like Monday? Would you just show up to practice and see what was going on? I thought it was a really good test because it has been something that I've been working on of like releasing, letting go of control to some extent for some things, right? And I think when it comes down to workouts or what's happening and just getting a workout in the moment, it's a really freeing place to be because you're still going to prepare the day before. You're still going to eat well. You're still going to hydrate. You're still going to sleep. In my case, I was in Denver on Tuesday night hosting a, like a group run and I got back to my car. It was like 7.30 and I was like, oh my gosh, I still have to drive home and do all this stuff before I go to bed. Um, so she actually moved practice up. So it was like way early. So I'm needing to wake up like 45 minutes earlier than what I was planning on. And, you know, and we had this surprise thing going on. So I was like, okay, I'm still going to do all the things that I can do control what I can and show up and see what happens. And I mean, it wasn't great. So (laughs) what we ended up doing was it was a series of, I wouldn't say time trials. I would call them all out efforts and um, very similar, I guess, to time trials, but like it wasn't one single time trial. It ended up being a series of all out efforts at different uh, at different like time on feet minutes paces. So we started out with two by 20 seconds hard, like sprint. This was not a stride. This was how fast can you start and run as hard as you can? And I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. It was not easy. It was not easy. If anyone has done an all out sprint and you are an endurance athlete, you know that that pain hits about six seconds in and it is a very long 14. I guess, what would that be? 14. Yeah. 14 seconds left. Woo. That was the longest 20 seconds. I think of my life times two, we took about five minutes of breaks, like a break, just stand rest. We did it again. My gosh, we did it again. We did it twice. And then we took about 15 minutes And then we did a 12 minute all out effort. It's a very weird place to be. It was basically a two mile time trial, right? Um, It did not feel good. It was difficult to shift into sprinting for two really hard efforts and then wrapping my head around like basically a two mile time trial. It was also about 75, 80 degrees at like 7 a.m., it's very warm. Sun was out. We were baking on the track and it was really tough. And the purpose behind these tests was to go out as hard, very, very hard. And then you'll eventually start to slow down, but hopefully not blow up. Right. I definitely blew up in the two, in the 12 minute time trial, but that's okay. So the whole rest of the day, I was like, what actually did we do this morning? I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. That was wild. Well, the best part about all of this is that it was actually a two-day thing. So we had to and got to go back on Thursday morning, 6 a.m., and do two more. But this time, we knew 24 hours in advance. I coach an in-person group in Denver on Wednesday night. So here I am again in Denver until late, get home late. And I thought, well, I can show up and do my best. And I'm going to do everything that I can do on Wednesday, control what I can control and go into Thursday, compartmentalize each of these. I've already visualized how I want to run them. And they definitely seem to flow a lot better and a lot easier. And I ran a lot stronger. My coaches comment to the entire group. And sometimes we're all standing there. And I think it was in between the the three and six minute is, um, she said, oh, Sarah, you're so, she was giving me a compliment about just how I just go with it. 
I'm just standing there. I'm smiling. I'm like, let's do this. I'm probably pumping up another team member that's like tearing herself down, right? We've all been there. I'm like, I can't do this or all these things. Instead of questioning it, wondering why we're doing it, all these things, I'm like, let's just do this. It'll be great. It's going to hurt but we're going to be stronger for it, especially the three and six minutes. It was a lot easier to wrap my head around those, those two, than 20 seconds and 12. Um, the surprising part about the 20 seconds is that we all showed up on Thursday with really uh, sore ca- uh, quads from the sprints. Cause we're not used to sprinting. <laughs> so that was an added element to Thursday's uh, all out tests, which was really funny. And, I think we were all confused by it. Nell was like, I didn't, you know, that's really interesting. Like, didn't really think about that. Um, But this was a testing through a platform that took that all into account. And what it's going to do, it's going to give us a lot of metabolic information, uh, fueling information, pacing information, uh, threshold. It's going to be great. But it is just a snapshot on over the course of two days or 24 hours. Um, and I also had a double in between all of that. So I think I ended up running like 30 miles over 20, I guess it was 36 hours and I was really tired. And where's this all going? It's basically a great story about how sometimes when you get into a situation like this, like one, I want you to think about like, what if this happened to you, how would you respond and where else does this show up in your life? Is it needing answers, taking control, needing to take notes? That's like a big thing I'm working on is like not taking notes. If I'm in meetings, except athletes, I guess I need to take notes. So that's, that doesn't apply, but trying to really be present is basically what that comes down to versus kind of checking out and taking notes and then reflecting back on the notes. Right. But not on athlete calls, very present. Um, Why do we need things instantaneously? Why do we need to know things three days in advance? Why do we need to know things a week in advance? Why can't we just show up, trust ourselves, know that everything that we've done is all that we can do and let go, right? It's a lot harder than it seems. I actually had to go through a really intensive process Um, It was a course that I went through about three years ago that helped me flow through that a little bit better. It still creeps up a lot, but I am much more relaxed when it comes to things like this. And it's like, whatever, there's bigger things going on in life than knowing what my workout is in three days. And sometimes our best and greatest moments really come from letting go and trusting the process hundred percent. So for that three minute all out effort, I was so stoked with my outcome. We started out looking at the Garmin sheet started out at like four thirty pace. I did not hold four thirty pace. It averaged out. I think I slowed down to five forty by the end but it averaged out about 521 pace or something. So it was about 900 meters. I was really proud of myself. Uh, Phil on our team got to the 1K, which we joked he would. And he was like, oh my gosh, no way. And then he did, which is so great. Um, So it was a really amazing experience. And even though it was really uncomfortable and it was spontaneous and I couldn't control it, I couldn't plan it. I just had to let go and be flexible and shift my whole schedule around. My strength day had to move, which meant my Thursday needed to shift. And my Thursday was already very heavy, even though I have a flexible schedule. There are some days that are very packed and it makes it hard and tough to get in a run. And then when you add in strength on top of it, plus extra things in life that I need to do, like walking Kenzie and playing with Kenzie, on top of a full, full coaching day. So I had to shift a lot and just be okay with it. And then I had to recover really hard on top of it because I had a long run workout on Saturday and that was part of it. Right? 
So when we let go and we trust the process, sometimes the greatest things can happen. And I'm so proud of that three minutes. I had lactic acid in my forearms for at least 20 seconds at the end, probably longer. It was the craziest experience. And it's one of those things that I'm going to look back on and say, like, I'm really glad I did it. It was super uncomfortable. I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of getting thrown into it. And here we are making a huge win. And sometimes wins can be created when you do let go and when you just trust yourself and trust the process, right? There's so many cool things that can be created when you kind of step outside of your comfort zone and get into new things, different things. Maybe it's the summer of speed that falls in the winter. No, just kidding. (laughs) Maybe it's speed work. Maybe it's training for a race at a different distance than you're comfortable with or that you only know, right? Maybe it's really leaning into more heavier strength than just more mobility or single leg work, right? Maybe it's applying um, more mental strength tools to your training or listening to more podcasts around mental training and mental strength so you can show up differently as an athlete. So my invitation to you this week as I close out the episode is really taking a look at how you can plan and really lean into empowerment around the planning process and how it can really elevate you and lift you high if you can do it the right way, quote unquote, the right way, right? Just have the process and really have everything dialed in so you don't have any pop-up surprises come up along the way. And then when you do have that chance to be spontaneous, how do you show up? Do you let go? Do you need answers? Do you need answers now? Do you need answers later? Are you like, well, just see how this goes, right? So with all of that, when you trust the process and you trust your training and you trust yourself on race day, I guarantee you only great things will happen. So I can't wait to hear from you when you find yourself in this place of planning and spontaneity. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know how it goes, what you found as wins. Maybe you found some areas of improvement. I know it happens to all of us, right? And you'll create magic, especially when you stack those training cycles and stack those bricks and stack those processes and those performance values. It's an awesome, awesome place to be. So I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening. And... I'll see you next week.